You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Fritz Gilbert, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. Once I have, I found myself saying this over and over again when thinking about leaving my job and quote unquote retiring. Once I have years worth of savings in cash, once I have a net worth 25 times my annual spending, once I have a good solution for health care insurance. In fact, The ones I haves were so overwhelming that they became my predominant thinking when it came to post-employment life. The problem, ultimately, was that the solutions were finite and imminently solvable, enough so that quitting work became increasingly frightening as I stood at the abyss, the crossroads, and I had no idea what to do with myself once I solved these previously thought to be insurmountable issues. Look, retirement for you may be a long time. Navigating your post-employment life will require letting go of the once I haves and start investing in those things that make life enjoyable and meaningful. But what are those? A few years ago, Jacob Schrader published an article in Kiplinger's titled Seven Habits for a Happy Retirement. Today, we welcome Fritz Gilbert from the Retirement Manifesto to discuss them. Hey, everybody, I'm going to do something today that I rarely do. I'm going to ask you a favor. For the next two months, I am doing a survey on Earn and Invest. This will help me figure out how to best serve you, my audience, as well as let's tell the truth, there are going to be some advertisements on the show. So I'd like to make sure those advertisements at least fit you and who you are In order to do that, we need to know more about you. If you go to earnandinvest.com slash survey, again, that's earnandinvest.com slash S-U-R-V-E-Y. It'll only take a few minutes. Tell us about yourself, and then we can make Earn and Invest a better podcast and have it fit your needs better. On top of that, Airwave Media is going to enter you to win a $500 Amazon gift card if you go ahead and tell us about yourselves. Go to earnandinvest.com slash survey. Again, this will be for the next few months, and I would totally appreciate it if you would check it out. Fritz Gilbert created the Retirement Manifesto, a canvas for helping people achieve a great retirement. He focuses on practical financial independence and retirement planning issues to folks within 10 years of leaving work. Fritz, welcome back to Earn and Invest. Let me ask you, it sounds like you have so much going on in your life. Are you more busy now as a retired person or when you were working full time? 
Yeah, great question, Doc G. First, I got to say thanks for having me back on the show. I'm, I'm actually reading your book right now. I love your content and I'm honored to be here. It's always great to talk about this stuff. And, you know, in terms of your specific question, it's interesting. I just wrote my last article was running fast to slow down. And it was all about how I expected when you get to retirement, the pace will slow down. You won't have all that anxiety of too much stuff going on. And I've actually found in retirement, I'm four years in now, I'm well established in the things that I really love to do. And some of them have taken off primarily the charity that my wife and I are running. And they and they've 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 gotten so big and, and they're so successful that they're actually taking, they're almost becoming like a job. And and I'm and the thing is in retirement, the difference is there are things that you're choosing to do, things that you love to do. You're doing them purely because they provide you that sense of purpose and fulfillment. So it's it's all rewarding. And secondly, unlike when you're in your working years and you're getting slammed with stuff from the boss or whatever, in retirement, it's all optional, right? And you can make changes to balance out that, that work-life balance. And ironically, it's still something you have to manage in retirement, but it's within your control. So the article was about steps we're taking to get more volunteers involved, to offload some of the stuff that my wife and I are doing, to bring it back to where it's a, a more reasonable balance. So yeah, it's something you you don't get away from in a successful retirement, I would argue. It's, you know, the, the people that tend to have the best retirements surprisingly also be tend to be the ones that are the most busy. It 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 it's it's an active time in your life if you're really doing stuff that you love. Yeah, what I always tell people is I'm just as busy, if not more busy than when I was working. The only difference is every day I wake up and I have complete control over whether I do those things on my schedule. So sometimes there's some things that I don't like doing, but I chose to put those on my schedule and ultimately I could get rid of them if I wanted to. Exactly. Yep. So we're talking about an active post-retirement life. Take us back first and tell us your history. What were you doing before you retired and how did you make the decision that it was time to leave? Yeah, I was a corporate guy. I worked 33 years in the global aluminum business, so had a variety of roles in corporate America, moved a bunch of times, had had a good career, ended up the last eight years in a global role. So I was traveling all over the world and I had people in Switzerland and Korea and Brazil, you know, working for me. So it sounds exciting, but the travel gets pretty old. You know, I was I was running all over the world and got a million miles on Delta that, you know, now we're just so burned out on that. We're not even using them to travel, which is crazy. But so, you know, very successful, busy corporate year or career. I would say I always knew I wanted to retire early, but I didn't focus on it. I wasn't obsessed with it. I just saved, automated our savings, you know, gradually increased the savings rate as each year I got a pay raise. I would save the majority of it to avoid the lifestyle creep. And probably in my late 40s, early 50s, I started getting a little more serious about it, started looking at the retirement calculators, starting to think, you know, when could I do this? And I started the blog three years before I retired. So I was 52 at that point in time. And it really follows my journey of determining when exactly we could retire and what I was thinking about beyond the financial side, which is tremendously important, as you know. And so I would say probably by 53, I was pretty tuned in to being able to retire either at 54 or 55, decided to do the one more year thing just to be safe. And I've got no regrets. And and I think, you know, preparing financially is a huge piece of it, but you've also got to make sure you've done the non-financial preparation before you really pull the plug to, to have the best chance at a successful transition. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about that in a moment as we talk about the seven secrets or habits to a happy retirement. But before we get there, 
Did you find that retirement was an all or nothing thing? I mean, did you completely stop making money after you left your job? Because I know we often get caught up on what is retirement. Is it leaving your nine to five? Is it not making money anymore? Tell me how that transition was for you. You know, I think that's a really important question that everybody has to answer for themselves. When my wife and I were talking about retirement, we decided let's get to the point where we know we don't have to work for money. You know, we could have retired a couple of years earlier and said, let's plan on some side hustle income. I've got my blog. But we wanted to be in a point where those things were entirely optional and not required to pay the bills. So we planned it where no income would be required. If we got income, fine. It wasn't in the budget. It wasn't in the cash flow forecast. It would all just be fun money. We could do what we want to do with it. And we felt good about that because now any income we make is is purely just a bonus. It's not something we have to continue to generate. That said, yes, we've we've continued to generate money. I, unexpectedly, I got invited to be on a board of directors for a multinational company. But the neat thing about that was when I decided to accept the board, of course, my wife and I talked about it. And the financial side, I didn't even know what the compensation was going to be when I accepted it. It didn't matter. To me, it was just, wow, that's pretty neat. You know, I've spent 33 years in this industry. I can provide counsel to this company. I can, you know, really give them some good, knowledgeable insight and and advice. And that would be kind of neat to be at the strategic level. It's once a quarter, you know, we got a board meeting, that's it, minimal amount of time. And the compensation was purely just whatever it was. So yeah, there has been income unplanned and unnecessary, but hey, it's nice to have, right? But I suspect I'll probably always have a little bit of side hustle income coming in from the blog and other things. You know, I wrote a book. Um, There's just things that happen. And most people, I'd read this before I retired. Most people don't expect that they are going to make money, but more often than not, there is some kind of side income that that starts generating as you pursue these things that bring you purpose and passion. A lot of those do lead to making some money in the process. I want to talk about the numbers for a moment, not what your numbers were, even how you calculated them, but more of a philosophical question. I've noticed this in myself too. It's one thing to calculate the numbers, but it's another to then have much less income and believe that the calculations are right, right? So a lot of times we know the reality of the math, but that doesn't necessarily sit well with us when we get to that point where we were making so much money for so long and now we're making much less. How did it sit with you? Was Once you did the calculations, did you feel, okay, I'm done? Or did you get some of that anxiety afterwards, even though you knew the numbers were right? Yeah, you know, I was really surprised, Doc G, that we didn't have the anxiety and, and I expected that we would. And I I guess I would attribute it to two things. One is we were conservative in all of our assumptions. We looked at all of our living expenses. We tracked our actual expenses, which we hadn't historically done. We did that for 11 months, tried to go to 12 and just burned out, tracked every single thing in a spreadsheet, you know, had, had, had a good baseline. And then when we extrapolated that to what it would look like post retirement, we estimated on the high side of all the categories, health insurance, for example, you know, I knew we'd have to buy private insurance. I estimated 2,500 a month. We're paying about 2000, right? So everything that we estimated, we were conservative. And even then with the conservative assumptions, we assumed a 3.25% safe withdrawal rate. So we were conservative there. So we were, we were, now you could argue that might be too conservative and you end up working longer than you have to work, right? That's the trade-off. But the benefit for us is we know we've got a lot of 
hedge in those numbers. We also built in some discretionary spending. So that can always be whittled down if things get tight. And I think because of those, we've been surprisingly relaxed, you know, through the bear market in 2022, the shorter one earlier than that. We've got the bucket system set up. So we've got a couple of years of cash. We have had surprisingly little anxiety about the financial side pleasantly. I'm, I'm pleased to say. Let's look at the other side of that. Was there anything that surprised you after leaving corporate life that you missed? You ever look back and say, oh yeah, I really enjoyed that part of my professional life and, and I miss that I don't have it now. You know, I, I think probably the hardest thing for a lot of people, and it can be a surprise, is that that sense of identity. You know, I, I was very much perceived in the industry. I, I, I spoke at conferences with several thousand people in attendance. I was on stage talking about this stuff. You know, I, I, I'm humble, but I, I was pretty well versed on the global aluminum trade, and I was kind of perceived as a guy that knew what he was talking about. And now that doesn't matter at all, right? So, Fortunately, I think because of this planning prior to retirement on identity and what are you going to become and all those things, there's so many things that you get from work that are non-financial and figuring out how you're going to replace those in retirement is a really important part of the planning. Fortunately, I thought about that and I said, what do I want to be identified as? And, And it really was kind of, okay, I was kind of an expert in the aluminum space I've spent three years now writing about retirement. I'm pretty well versed on the retirement topic. And it was a pretty easy transition to move into, okay, that that doesn't matter anymore that I don't know about aluminum, but look, I'm on Earn and Invest talking with Doc G about retirement, right? So so it worked well for me to find a way to replace those things that I knew I was going to be losing. But I'll admit, you know, I still have dreams about work occasionally four years in, right? It was a huge part of, of my life. It's a huge part of everybody's life. And there's a transition as you get away from being the expert in your field. It doesn't matter anymore. And you've got to have something to replace that with. This gives us a good chance to pivot to Jacob Schrader's article in Kiplinger's. This, I think, was in 2020. He talked about the seven habits for a happy retirement. I think in your blog post, you talk about the seven secrets. Let's run through them and talk about how they've played out in your life. Secret number one, we've just been talking about purpose and importance and all that, but secret one kind of goes a little old school and it is work at staying healthy. Talk to me about the importance of physical activity and health in your post-retirement life. Yeah, to me, it's a, it's. I, I, I loved this article because it was every single point I could totally relate to. And, I, and now being four years into retirement, I can absolutely reiterate the importance of each one of them. So staying healthy, to me, what is your purpose of retirement, right? It's to get out and live life, the life you've wanted to lead. What good is it if you, and you see this with your hospice work and whatnot, if you work all your life for this money and all of a sudden you're immobile and you can't get around, you can't enjoy life, kind of what's the point, right? So getting the maximum amount of, of joy out of your retirement years really does require a healthy body. If we want to go out and hike and you want to travel and you want to do all those things, invest in your body as well as you're investing in your, you know, financial investments. Take care of yourself. You know, Younger Next Year is a great book if you haven't read it. It's it 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 talks about the reality that aging is somewhat not for everybody, but it's largely within your control. And if you take care of your body, you can do things in your 70s that you did in your 40s, right? It's just a matter of being consistent with exercise. You don't have to go crazy, but get 45 minutes a day of, you know, a brisk walk. 
it can be as simple as that. So I, I really focus on fitness. I, I do spin, I do weights, I do swimming. I, I have a whole variety, just like you have a diversified portfolio. I kind of have a diversified fitness approach and I do something every day to stay active. And I plan, you know, my wife and I build these dog fences for her charity. My goal is to continue to be, you know, digging holes with a postal digger well into my seventies. And at this point, I, I fully expect I'll be able to, you know, it's, it's that important to us. And, and I'm investing time to keep it that way. It's funny because we talk about the physical benefits, but there's also the mental benefits. A lot of people ask me, well, you know, what do you do with your time when you leave your job? And it's like, A1 is I carve out time every day to exercise. And in fact, having that hour or two a day taken up with something meaningful is really helpful just as you look forward, maybe with a little anxiety of about how you're going to fill your time. And also having a schedule yep. also leads to some just general stable and safe feelings. So I'm always surprised when people are like, well, what am I going to do in my free time? They're like, well, you got an hour a day at least for exercise, and that's going to fill up some of that time. And it, it's interesting how it helps not just physically, but mentally. Absolutely. And, and, you know, structure is an interesting thing to talk about too. You think about in a working life, your life is very structured and you've got to figure out what's the right amount of structure in your post-retired life because no structure, you, you tend to feel afloat and, and it doesn't work very well. So when I first retired, the first three years of my life, I, I did, I went to the gym and I went Monday, Wednesday, Friday, two hours, you know, I did a couple classes back to back. And, and that worked really well for me. And then as I got in, I think when COVID hit, the gym closed down and whatnot. And so I invested in a home gym and I, I got the spin bike with the, you know, feed and everything like a Peloton, but it was a Nordic track. But but it's still scheduled in my day. But now I don't have to get up at seven o'clock to race to the gym. I do it at nine o'clock, right? I, I, I have more relaxing time in the morning. I've destructured it a little bit, but it's still part of that structure. So yeah, you, you've got to build it into your structure. And, and not only that, you didn't touch on this, and I and I think it's worth touching on the mental aspects of the exercise. You sleep better at night. You're you're more optimistic. You know, there's a lot of studies on the on the broad range of benefits from exercise, and they go far beyond just the physical health. A lot of it is mental. Yeah, you're you're spot on. So, if secret one is about our physical health, a bunch of the rest of the secrets really start getting into our mental health too. Secret to foster strong social connections. You know, there have been a number of studies that show that people do poorly physically after they retire. And one of those reasons is they lose some of the social connections at work. Tell me about how you've developed your social connections in a post-retirement life. Because the easy way to meet people is naturally when you're walking through your workday and interacting with all sorts of new people that are thrust into the same position because you work for the same company. Yeah. And I think the social connection side, you know, everybody's been quoting this Harvard study. It's gotten a lot of press lately on following all these very successful Harvard grads. And they came back with the number one important thing is social connections, right? So it is important and it doesn't happen naturally. I think that's important to say. You've got to be intentional, just like fitness. You've got to make an effort. There was a really good article about how to make friends in an old age and how terrible we are. Hey, just just ask somebody to go to lunch. You know, ask somebody to go fishing with you. You know, if you're going to do something, reach out to somebody and start a step. And I've got a couple guys that I meet for lunch. You know, probably every two weeks or so, I'm going out for lunch with somebody that was intentional. I like that. It develops the relationships. But I think the biggest surprise for us was, you know, we started this nonprofit charity work. 
And that has turned into this entire, we call it the FIDO family. The charity is called Freedom for FIDO. And there's probably 30 really active volunteers. There's about 200 that are, are on our email list that learn about when we're doing builds and whatnot, but probably 30 that are really active. And there's a group text chain now, and somebody will just shoot out a text at like four o'clock on a Friday. Hey, let's go up to the little microbrew at five o'clock. And like 15 of us will crash these microbrews and we're all really good friends. And, and every one of us are retired. And consistently we hear from all those retirees, you know, the thing I love the most about Fido is this Fido family and how we just get together and it's spontaneous, it's relaxed, it's natural. Those are real relationships and that all came as a result of getting involved in the charity work. So, you know, getting involved in organizations with like-minded people is a great place to replace those relationships that you had at work. It's interesting because you said replace. So I'm wondering what happened to some of those social connections you had through work or even your non-retired friends. Did you find that going into retirement earlier maybe than some of those people created an issue in your relationship or changed the nature of your relationship? It, it definitely changed it. I, th- I think two reasons. Number one, we we relocated. So we're up in the mountains now. We moved up to North Georgia and we're in the Appalachian Mountains. So I'm 100 miles away from those people I worked with. And, you know, inevitably you say, oh, we'll stay in touch. We'll stay in touch. You, you say that to everybody that retired before you, right? Oh, we'll keep in touch. And you <laughs> never do, right? So I had seen that happen so many times that I just expected, yeah, you know, you won't really keep in touch. And then we move 100 miles away. And there's a few that I'll keep in touch with. And maybe I'll meet halfway in between and we'll grab a lunch together, you know, but it's just not the same as you know, it, it's, it's really hard to maintain those relationships when you're not working side by side and just see them in the office and, you know, go out and have lunch or whatever. You really have to, I think, plan on having a group of non-working friends and start developing that a few years before you retire. Start building a network outside of your workplace because the workplace, as much as you think it will be, it's not going to be there for you. One of the things about developing a network is we tend to be bonded to people who share some sense of purpose or passion with us, which brings us to secret three, find a clear sense of purpose. I feel this one's loaded, right? Because people get real anxious when you start talking about purpose because it doesn't always seem obvious to us. How do we do this? Like, how do we connect with our purpose, especially like when it was going to work and that identity and that importance we had from that, how do we transition? Yeah, that's, that's, to me, this is probably the most important. I know the Harvard study says it's the relationships, but really you find your relationships through your purpose. I think the relationships that really matter. And I know a lot of your book focuses on this. A lot of my book focused on this as well. And it's, it's one of those that, doesn't lend itself well to a nice checklist of ABC, like, you know, track your net worth when you get to, you know, 25 times you're spending, you you know, it, there's, there's not a mechanical way to do this one. What I suggested in my book, and, and it, it's, it's something everybody has to figure out for themselves, but what worked for me and what worked for my wife and what's worked for other people that I've known is to listen kind of to your inner self. And if something kind of interests you, Take the first step, however small it is. You know, my blog, I was like, okay, I'm going to get on Bluehost and see if I can figure out how to set up a website. You know, seven years later, it's it's a huge purpose in my retirement. My wife saw a show on this charity out in Oregon that was building these fences for, you know, dogs on chains. She's like, man, we need that here in Blue Ridge. I was like, yeah, we do. 
I said, let's figure out how to do it. So she contacted a company that helped her set up a 501c3 and she was off, right? But it's, it's, it's taking that first step, no matter how small it is, take 10 different areas that kind of interest you and just start moving in that direction. And what I've found and what others have found is if something is, is, is really resonating with you, kind of meant to be, it kind of happens, you know, but you've got the, the burden is on you to listen to that interest and take that first step and then see where things go. And that's where we've gotten now where we're, we're very busy and active in retirement. Every one of those things that we're doing were things that we just took that first step and they've grown and they've evolved and they've become really important purposes in our life. You know, a few things as you're you're mentioning these answers, I think of two things come to mind and they're they're very different. So bear with me. The first one is people like you and I are bonded by this idea that we like creating. We had blogs and I have a podcast now and we like to talk about money. But in a lot of people I've seen go through this process, talking about money doesn't end up being your purpose later on. Like you've got to develop other things as much as you like helping people and doing the money thing. Yeah. There gets to be a point in life you need to pivot away from that. Yeah. And and I think that's one of the great takeaways from your book, Doc G, is, you know, tracking net worth is such an easy goal and purpose. As you're working, you think, man, that's my goal. I'm going to achieve fire. Or I'm going to, you know, whatever. It's an easy to track and you think that's a goal, but it's not. Once you achieve it and you've achieved financial independence and now the numbers are good, you wake up the next day and you say, well, nothing's really changed and I don't really have a purpose right now. Chasing money is not a purpose. As you said, money is a tool, right? Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not the end. It's the, it's the tool that gets you to where you can pursue purpose without worrying about the financial implications of it. That's a really important takeaway from your book. And, and I think one of my biggest cautions to people that are still in the journey of fire or just towards retirement in general reiterates exactly what you said. Make sure you recognize the money side is not the goal. It's not your purpose. It's just a means to get there. The other thing that it reminds me is when you're talking about your charity and how your wife got excited about it. And now that takes up a decent amount of your time. If you are one of a partnership, right? If you have a spouse, some of that purpose has to be joined purpose, right? Like yeah. it has to be something that you and your spouse can do together if you're going to spend that time together because all of a sudden you both have a lot of free time and you both might be spending more time with each other than ever. Yeah. And one of the things I, I mentioned this in my book, I, I think it's important. You don't want to be dependent on each other all the time because that's that's a little bit too much, right? You've spent your whole career kind of apart, you know, during the working days. If you suddenly assume just you're going to spend all your time together, that can be a little bit overwhelming that side. So what I what I suggest pre-retirement is you have a real heart-to-heart -heart discussion with your with your spouse or your partner and you kind of agree, look, there's some things I want to do on my own. I love to mountain bike. My wife doesn't mountain bike. So I said, look, I, I want to, you know, make sure I've got time. So I call it me time or let's say this, he time, she time, and we time, right? Time for yourself, time for herself, and time for stuff you want to do together. And having that discussion in advance goes a long way to reducing friction post-retirement because if she's out doing whatever she's doing, you're not having any anxiety or, you know, envy or whatever, because you've already agreed. Yeah. She's going to have her stuff. You're going to have your stuff. And, and that's kind of understood that goes a long way to helping figure out the right balance.
We are talking to Fritz Gilbert, who created the Retirement Manifesto, a canvas for helping people achieve a great retirement. And we are discussing the seven secrets to a happy retirement. We are going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right. So most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Fritz Gilbert. He focuses on practical financial independence and retirement planning issues for folks within 10 years of leaving work. And we've been talking about the seven secrets of a happy retirement. Secret one, work at staying healthy. Secret two, foster strong social connections. Secret three, find a clear sense of purpose. And that, Fritz, brings us to secret four, never stop learning you know, one thing I've been really interested in as I've watched you progress through reading your blog and seeing your post is that 
building and creating things, woodworking has really become something that I feel like you've taken on and learned a lot and it's become a huge part of what you do now. Yeah, it really has. And you know, what's interesting about that one is if you would have asked me at the time I retired or maybe even a year after I retired, and if I would have listed 20 items that I might get into, woodworking never would have made the would never would have made the list. And now, you know, I talked about some of the extra income from the board job, et cetera, safe withdrawal rate being very conservative. As we started seeing extra money growing, one of the things we've done is we've told ourselves, look, we're going to spend it, right? We're either going to give it away and be more charitable, which we've done some of that, obviously, or we're going to reinvest it in things that can bring value to our lives. So we built what, I, what I'm sitting in now is my writing studio and attached to it as a woodworking shop. And, and that all, again, came because of the charity. And I went out to a buddy of mine's house and he had a woodworking shop and we built a doghouse together. And as, as we're working, I just couldn't help thinking this guy loves his woodworking. You could just tell he was like, that was his passion. That was his thing. Right. And it was infectious. And I was like, you know, this is fun. And, and there's something about creating and, and, and developing that artistic side of your brain, especially if you've been in a job that's kind of been more analytical and whatnot, there's real reward in, in finding a way to create, be it social media stuff, YouTube, you know, podcast writing. Well, there's a whole other world out there of the more artistic things, right? Painting and pottery. My wife got into pottery. I discovered woodworking and I love it. So finding ways to invest in those areas that that bring you value and, and you know, joy. And, and a lot of those areas can be around the creating. But again, where did that come from? That came from taking that first step, similar to what we talked about with purpose. I went to my buddy's woodworking shop. That was the first step. And I kind of started learning about it and I realized I loved it, but it was a little bit of an interest. I took the first step and it just continued to grow. And now it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely become one of those areas of passion. And, and I think along with taking that first step, take the opportunity. There's so many YouTube channels and everything else. You can learn anything. So if anything interests you, okay, look at, look at a couple YouTube videos. You know, I went to my buddy's woodworking shop, but there's a lot of different ways that you can learn about areas that interest you and always be curious and pursue the curiosity and just never stop learning. I think is a huge key to a good, good retirement. It reminds me of this idea of reinvention. Like yeah. people don't always realize like you are continuously reinventing yourself and that does not stop when you retire. In fact, it gives you a little more time and space to even reinvent yourself more. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I, I wrote an article about how retirement is kind of like a, a, a game of poker and you've got all these cards in your hand. The thing about this is you can put down cards, you can pick up cards, you don't have to always hold the same hand. And what I found, I'm writing less now because I've gotten so many other areas of my life that I'm equally enjoying. So I'm kind of diversifying across. I'm I'm laying down one of these cards of having to write every week and I'm picking up the card of woodworking and these other creative endeavors that I find, you know, fulfillment in. So recognize that it's a, it's a perpetual process and there's nothing wrong with that. It's all within your control. It's a great luxury of, of the retired life. Now, I have to admit, secret five, I'm a touch skeptical. Not skeptical because it's a bad idea, but skeptical because I'm wondering if it's truly possible. Secret five is train your brain to be more optimistic. Fritz, be honest here. Some people I know are just exceedingly optimistic. Some people I know are exceedingly pessimistic. How much wiggle room do we have to kind of get to the more optimistic side? 
That's that's you're the doctor, not me. I, I guess that's that's a great question. I, what I would argue is no matter where, let's say it's a spectrum of zero is you're 100 percent pessimistic and 100 is or 10 is you're 100 percent optimistic. So let's say you're a four. You kind of lean towards pessimistic, but you know you're kind of in the middle. I have no doubt that intentionally choosing to look at the positives in life can move you from a four to a five, maybe a six, right? I don't know if you can move to a seven or an eight. There's a certain innate personality there, no doubt. But regardless of where you are, I'm convinced that you can move yourself a little bit in the in the, in the the right direction. And it all comes down to what do you think about, do you always look at the worst case scenario or do you look at, you know, well, what could come out of this? It could be good. And, and I, I guess the biggest area I focus on in this one is it's so easy to get bogged down in worrying about, I, I've got the big circle and the little circle in that post. The little circle on the inside is things that are within your control, right? I didn't invent this; has been around a long time. But the little circle is things that are within your control. The big circle is all the things you can potentially worry about, right? Politics and whatever, you know, recessions, whatever. One of the ways you can train your mind to be optimistic is recognize when you're thinking in the big circle, and and quit thinking about that stuff and focus more of your attention on the small circle, which are things you can influence it. I think anybody can benefit from that exercise. Yeah. And it's also important to note, like we're not going to take someone from a five to a 10, but taking them from a five to a six or five to seven could make a huge difference in their life. Right. Right. So that was secret number five to train your brain. Secret number six is practice mindful gratitude. Talk about what gratitude has been like for you post-retirement. What role has it played in your life? Yeah, and this this kind of goes with the the previous one. This is a mindset, I think. And and basically any of us that are listening to this podcast that have retired, you know, are able to retire, we have a lot to be thankful for. And just like the big circle, little circle, you can choose to look at things that you're grateful about, or you can look at things that you decide, you know, a, a more negative perspective on, things that you're upset about or didn't happen or whatever. I think intentionally choosing to focus on the things that you're grateful for is similar to looking at those things you can control. It, it, fought, it maybe moves you from a five to a six, or maybe this is what gets you from the six to a seven. They kind of go in parallel and finding a way to be grateful, I think helps keep that positive mindset. And there's so much to be grateful for. You know, when I, right before I retired, I said, okay, I'm going to write these 10 commandments of retirement. And these were kind of my personal guidelines for ways that I wanted to live my life in retirement. And it's interesting as you look through those 10, which I referenced in this article, most of those were focused around the mindset because I think the mindset is such an important, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a large, large degree. And the first one of my 10 commandments was to have an attitude of gratitude, you know, and that was before I retired. I wrote these before I retired, but I made a conscious decision to try to be gracious and be thankful for all the things that we have to be thankful for, rather than look at all the things I wish were different, because you can look at either one, right? It's a choice. You know, it's funny because I, as we talk about this, I look at it very much from a doctor or medical mind. And when we run through all these secrets, it's almost like these are natural antidepressants, right? Yeah. Most of these things, whether it's thinking optimistically or having gratitude or exercising or pursuing a sense of purpose, I feel like cause actual chemical changes in our brain that push us towards that safe, contented place. 
A hundred percent. And you're the doctor. I mean, you, but that's what younger next year gets into. It talks about the dopamine and some of the chemical releases in your body from physical fitness in this case. But I think the, the, the reality is, and this is an interesting fact. A lot of people don't know your chances of depression increase by 40% when you retire, right? It, it, it is a risky time in life. So I, and the reason is because of all these things you lose besides your paycheck, you lose your sense of identity, you lose your relationships, you lose the structure. And if you haven't planned for those, that can be a depressing thing to go through. Mike Drax, a friend of mine, he wrote retirement, heaven or hell. He went through retirement hell and he found his way to heaven basically is what the story is about. But a lot of it focuses on these types of things, you know, finding those positive ways to view life and, and all of these things do focus on that area. And it, it is one of the keys to a successful retirement, no doubt about it. It's funny because a lot of us think of retirement specifically would be hellish if you were forced into retirement, right? So for health yeah. reasons, or if you got downsized and couldn't find another job. But interestingly enough, these stressors are also for those people like us who choose to retire, or even we're dreaming of retirement. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything feels good from the beginning. Yeah. And I would tie it back to, again, from your book, especially in the fire community, if you're so obsessed on the numbers and all you're doing is tracking the net worth and really focused on the numbers, that can be another path to depression because then you get to retirement. You made the numbers, you quit your job. You're okay, great. The honeymoon period's great. No matter what you love that. But then suddenly you start settling in and you're like, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. I, what's my purpose? What's, you know, and, and so it's not just hard driving type A that lose their job unexpectedly or health issues, like you mentioned, it can be somebody who's been focused on something that got them to the starting line, as I call it. But then they realize after they've crossed the starting line, that isn't enough to keep them going on the path forward. So secret seven indirectly deals with relationships. So we've talked a little bit about relationships and a joined sense of purpose There's also another relationship that, according to this Kiplinger article, maybe a lot of us should have, and that is with a furry friend. This one also surprised me a little bit. I have (laughs) never been a pet person, okay? I am not a pet person. But after I started thinking about it, it makes sense. Talk to me about animals and what role they play in our lives. Yeah. You know what? I think a lot of people are like you. They're either, you're either pro animal or you're not, but this, this Kiplinger's article actually pointed to some research that pointed out that there is a correlation between people that have pets and, and their satisfaction in life. It's, it's, you can't argue with the statistics, right? Mm-hmm. If you believe statistics and, and in our case, we're, we're the opposite of you. We are absolute animal lovers. We've got four dogs. We run the charity focused on dog, you know, getting them off chains and whatnot. And, and I cannot imagine life without dogs. You know, to me, they just bring it, it. It's almost like the relationship thing. It sounds strange, but anybody that has a dog that loves them knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there is a connection there. And then from a more practical standpoint, and that's some of the things that were highlighted in the Kiplingers. If you have a couple dogs or a dog, you're going to get outside and walk that dog every day, right? It kind of naturally leads to some of the other areas like exercise, so you get the companionship benefit, you get the exercise benefit. I'm going to believe the study because in, in our case, we, we love our dogs and I know that they bring value. They make our life better, no doubt about it. In our case, it, everybody's got to choose with themselves. So there you have it. The seven secrets to happiness in retirement. Secret one, work at staying healthy. Secret two, foster strong social connections. 
Secret three, find a clear sense of purpose. Secret four, never stop learning. Secret five, train your brain to be optimistic. Secret six, practice mindful gratitude. And last but not least, secret seven, have a furry friend. Fritz, let's talk about your retirement specifically. Is it what you thought it would be? That's a that's a big question. I, I wrote a post saying retirement is nothing like I expected it to be. And then I followed it up with the next line, retirement is exactly what I expected it to be. <laughs> and, and the catch is mentally, I knew I was going to never stop learning as an example. I knew I was going to pursue new interests. I knew I was going to have these attitudes of gratitude. You know, those things, yes, absolutely. They've been exactly what I expected. And I've done those things. The areas where retirement has been nothing like I expected is where they've led. You know, we talked about woodworking earlier. That's an example. I never dreamed I'd be doing woodworking, right? I never dreamed my wife and I would be running what's become a fairly significant charity. So I think the philosophical side of retirement is absolutely spot on with what I expected. The, I guess you'd call it the tactical means that those philosophies have led to are things that I never would have expected if you would have asked me, you know, never would have been on my list. And that's okay, you know? And, and I guess the other thing probably that we talked about earlier was, yeah, everybody says they're so busy in retirement. It's, such, it's a cliche and I hate it. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is if you're successful in finding some of these things that give you purpose and you start chasing them down and you're having a blast doing it, I, I guess I, I would say I've been surprised by how busy my retirement has been. But I think that's part of the reason I'm enjoying it so much because I'm doing stuff that brings value to the world. I feel good about it. I have a sense of purpose. I have a sense of identity. I have some structure. All those elements that we talk about kind of go in parallel with being busy. But I would say the busyness probably caught me a bit by surprise as well. Was there anything that was particularly hard or that maybe you didn't see coming? You know, it sounds strange to say this, but I, I almost... I almost struggle to say yes to anything on that. And, and the reason I attribute it is I, I found a lot of correlation between the amount of time you spend while you're still working, preparing for retirement on both the financial and the non-financial. The time you spend planning for those things has been proven to be directly correlated to how smooth that transition is and how successful your retirement is. And, you know, I was writing a blog every week for three years before I retired. I was thinking about this stuff a lot. And I think because of that, the transition's been smoother than I expected. The now that we're settled in, we're enjoying life. Um, I really struggle to say anything that I that I've struggled with in retirement. You know, there there can be days. I mean, literally days, not not weeks, not months. There can be days where you're kind of like, oh, you know, what what am I? What what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, you kind of get in a little bit of a slow period, and you're kind of. Uh, but those are so short and 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 limited that I wouldn't even feel justified in saying that that's an area that I oh that's not quite what I expected. That's just normal human behavior, right? In general, these are the best years of my life. You know, my wife and I just love being in the mountains. We've got our daughter and granddaughter 300 miles away. So we've got a small condo down there. We spend a week down there with them every month. So we're close with family. We got a great group of friends here. We're active doing things that are, you know, benefiting the community. I tell you what, I mean, these these years are absolutely the golden years. And and I'm I'm very optimistic that they can be achieved by anybody. If you take some of these seven secrets that we talk about here, apply them to your life. Retirement can be absolutely the best time of your life.
knowing what you know now, should you have retired earlier? <sighs> I've thought about that. You know, I, we are comfortable financially, but probably not because I think, especially doing the one more year, it really gave me, at that point, I knew we were going to be good financially. And it really gave me a good solid year to think about the non-financial aspects. And because I spent that year doing that, you can never go back and undo it. So I don't know what it would have been like, but I know that spending that amount of intensive time thinking about it paid dividends beyond measure. So I'm not regretful that I retired at 55 instead of 54. I probably could have retired realistically if I would have been more aggressive earlier in my career. I could have retired, you know, late 40s, early 50s. But I think it's important to enjoy the journey as you're living it as well. And we always did that. We took nice vacations with my daughter. I had frequent flyer miles. So we'd go to Europe, you know, go to Hawaii, whatever. We we really enjoyed the journey and didn't just get so hyper aggressive on getting to the end or the, the starting line, as I call it, mm-hmm. as quickly as possible because we wanted to enjoy the journey as we lived it. And I have no regrets about that. So I would say, bottom line, no, I, I think... I'm I'm happy with when I chose to retire. I think there've been multiple benefits to it. And and the biggest concern I would have is for people that are really obsessed with fire is as you say in your book, you know, you, hey, you, you could come down with cancer. You don't know. You don't know what your tomorrow's going to bring. The only known thing is today. So don't sacrifice all your todays, you know, trying to get to a tomorrow that may never come. Enjoy the journey as you live it. Is there a good rule of thumb for when it's time to pack it in? And retired. And I'm not talking about financial rule of thumb. I'm assuming that people's financials, you know, the market goes up and down. People's financials change a little bit. But at some point, you have to just jump in and say, okay, now's the time. Is there a good indicator that says, okay, you're ready? I would say that's that's pretty individual. I don't think you can make a macro statement. Obviously, you've got to have the financials, right? Until you have the financials, it's a mute point because you're not ready. You've got to be ready for the financial side. So get yourself financially ready. But just because you've gotten yourself financially ready doesn't mean it's time for you to retire, right? If you're still finding purpose in your job, if you really, truly enjoy it, just knowing that you can leave at any time, hey, that's fine. You know, it doesn't mean you have to. So, you know, somebody told me once, and I I kind of was a little bit skeptical, but I found it to be true in my life. They said, Fritz, you'll, you'll know when it's time. And I was like, what's that supposed to mean? You know, <laughs> but, but I would say two years before I retired, I, I, I knew it was time, you know, and I, and I wanted to be safe. I wanted to be cautious. I took a little more time, but even if you love your job today, the, the reality is you probably won't still love your job at 60, right? So put yourself in a position where you don't have to work to make ends meet and then just listen to your mind, listen to your body. You'll, you'll know when it's time is, is, you know, been proven in my life. And, Beyond that, it's hard to put a prescription to it. Well, Fritz, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. You know, I take a few different things out of this conversation. One is that we really have to look at retirement as a beginning as opposed to an ending. And like all beginnings, there's some work involved. You actually have to be intentional and think about it. It's not just sitting around and letting life happen to you, but it's actually taking control of your life. That That's one of my takeaways. You know, the other takeaway is the secrets to a happy retirement actually are the secrets to a happy life. The difference yeah. is that a lot of us don't feel like we have the bandwidth to start doing these things until we relieve ourselves of the nine to five. 
But one great thing about this conversation is I think we can take all these secrets and say, you know, I don't know when I'm going to retire. I'm getting close with the money, but I'm not there yet. But maybe it's time we started looking at these secrets earlier in that transition period and started building them in as soon as possible, because I think these are just great habits to be a happy, contented person. Spot on. And and I agree with you that you don't have to wait until you retire to apply these to your life, right? I mean, exercise, you can exercise at lunch, you can exercise after work, you can exercise before work, right? Having a positive attitude, you can do that regardless of whether you're working or not. The more of these you apply, the earlier, the better your life will be. Spot on. I agree. So Fritz, I want to end this episode the way I end every episode. Tell us what is up next in your life and then how we can get in touch with you if you want to learn more. All right. Well, I would say right now, the biggest thing is we just finished a big warehouse project for Freedom for Fido. My dad passed away, unfortunately, and I wrote an article about the inheritance that he left. And I said, you know, when my dad used to give us Christmas presents, he would always say, Fritz, I don't want you to save it. I want you to spend this money. And uh, that was just the way he was. He knew I was an aggressive saver. So after he passed, I was like, you know, I can hear my dad saying, Fritz, don't save all the money. Don't save all the inheritance. We didn't need it, right? We didn't build it into the numbers. So we decided to invest that and we built a nice big warehouse for our Freedom for Fido. It's a it's a pole barn. Basically, we bought four acres next to our property here in the mountains, did a homestead expansion. So I would say the Freedom for Fido work that we're doing is is getting ready to go to a whole new level and it's really exciting work. So that's that's probably my biggest passion right now. You can find me on the retirementmanifesto.com. Look up Fritz Gilbert on Google. You'll see me. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm around. And I'm just enjoying living life every day and uh, seeing what tomorrow brings, Doc. It's, it's, it's a great time in life. Fritz, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast having you. Thank you much. I appreciate it. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. So I was talking the other day to an earn and invest listener, and he is a physician like I am. He's quite a bit younger, in his early 30s. And we were talking about this idea that he felt like I was ahead of the game compared to him. See, in his 30s, he's realized that medicine isn't fulfilling him as much as he wants to be fulfilled. There are other things he wants to do. He's starting to pursue those things, but then he hears me on earn and invest. He listens to me talk about my trajectory out of medicine into doing things I like to do, like public speaking and writing and podcasting. And frankly, he feels behind. And we were having this conversation and it really hit me, this idea of seasons of our lives. We have many different seasons of our lives and we're able to accomplish different things in these seasons. You see, this gentleman I was talking to is in his early 30s. He is a one and a three-year-old. He is just establishing his career. And it made me think about this idea that some of the seasons of our lives, we're really just struggling to keep our head above water. I mean, when your kids are little and they're not sleeping all the time, so you're waking up in the middle of the night all the time to deal with them, and then maybe you're a new doctor, so you're also on call, so maybe you're getting calls in the middle of the night too, some parts of the week. I mean, it's exhausting, and it's a really hard time to be pursuing what I call big P purpose, this idea that we have this one purpose in life. It's the thing that drives us, and in order to find happiness, we have to pursue this purpose 
and start pursuing it now. And I know if you've listened to my podcast or if you've read my book, Taking Stock, I really think we do have to start thinking about purpose in our lives. And I think this big P purpose, like what's our overwhelming purpose, is important. It's not the end-all be-all. I think we can have small P purposes too. But it feels like I've been encouraging everyone to really start pursuing purpose. And I wanted to pull it back a moment and say, yes, I think it's important that you think about purpose and that you build purpose into your financial trajectory as well as career trajectory. But I want to remind people that during this season of our lives in which we're just keeping our head above water, where we have young kids or we're just starting to build our career, you know, it's okay if you don't make a huge amount of headway. It's okay if you don't drop everything and start living a life of purpose right away. You know, comparing yourself to someone who's in a season when they're cresting the wave, and this is how I think of myself, right? I'm almost 50 years old. My children are 15 and 18. I'm already financially independent. In a lot of ways, I can build a life in which the season I'm in, I'm more cresting the wave than just keeping my head above the water. So it's really hard to compare these two different people who are living two different lives and, again, are in very two very different seasons of their lives. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, Don't feel like you have to go and drop everything and pursue purpose right away, especially that big P purpose. I don't think that's ever really been my message or certainly not my intention. I want people to start thinking about it, and I want them to start thinking about how they can build a career and a life in which purpose plays a large role, in which they spend their time doing purposeful things. But hey, if you're in one of those seasons where you're just keeping your head above water, it's fine for your purpose to be making enough money to survive. It's fine for your purpose to be taking care of my kids. It's fine for your purpose to be establishing myself. And all of those things are important. And when you're in a different season, when your kids are a little older or you're more established or you're closer to financial independence, you can take all those things you've been thinking about, all those intentions you've been setting for the days, months, or years and start taking action. So I just want to remind everyone, you don't have to take action immediately. You're not failing just if you're doing what you need to to get through the day. I think the only sense of failure is if you put purpose aside and say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not saying you have to act on it, but I do think that we need to start thinking about these things early because the only way you're going to build that life you really want to build is to work on it. Even in those times where you're struggling, even in those seasons where your head is just above the water, you might not be able to act, but I like this idea that you're starting to think at least what purpose means in your life. And again, purpose at those times might be just making it through and purpose might be taking care of the kids and those are worthy purposes. But if you're intentional about it, at least then there's a modicum of happiness knowing that you're fulfilling that purpose, whether you're surviving and thriving or just making it. So don't look at that other person who seems to be a way ahead of you. They might be in a different season in their life. They might have taken a different path. Perfect is the enemy of good, and sometimes good enough is making it through the day. But ultimately, long-term, you're going to get to a point at some point in your life when you're in a better season, an easier season, maybe a season of action as opposed to a season of contemplation. 
The idea behind Earn and Invest, the idea behind the book Taking Stock, even the idea behind the Mastermind Wealth with Purpose that I've started is that when you're ready to move from contemplation to action, you have the tools, the skills, and the knowledge to get there. All right, I keep things running just as we discuss a little bit afterwards for the after show. Um, Good. Yeah, I mean, you're you're you know you're a really great model, I think, for a lot of us in this community as well as people who are starting to get their finances in order of kind of what a retirement can and should look like, right? Um, I think we forget that yeah, it, it that, that you have to put some work into it, but putting that work into it is really deep, fulfilling. Um, yeah. To our psyche. Well, and I I think the thing that probably surprises people is the reality is in your working years, other people put work into that side of your life. They provided the structure, they provided the purpose, they provided the, uh, you know, the objectives. Having to, to self lead all that stuff is, is one of the transitions of retirement because now you suddenly realize at some point, if I don't do it, nobody's going to, right? It, it, so it, 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 it is stuff you have to do, but it's stuff you have to do instead of others doing it for you. And I think that's a big part of the transition. So I, I appreciate the compliment. I, I, I couldn't ask for a better compliment in terms of my retirement being a model. And, and I, and I do believe that. I think that's why that's what gives me the purpose behind writing. Anybody can do this stuff, but you've got to be intentional and, and apply these things to, to make it work. Cause you know, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're, I think you're a good model of it. I, I'm really enjoying your book. And I think the, the decision to scale back and do the hospice work and get rid of some of the bureaucratic stuff and the speed, you know, pace in a hospital environment, whatever, private practice. Um, that's a good example of how you don't have to wait until retirement. You can downshift and take a different approach to this and do those things that bring value to your life. I think you're, you're an equally good example of me, but with a little bit different approach in how you applied it. So yeah, thank you. One thing I definitely realized is you can get rid of work, but it doesn't get rid of that drive to like right. do stuff like, right. Like it, it doesn't, that just doesn't disappear. Right. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. are who we are. And most people who got to this place where they could even consider retiring early, we have drive to do things. And yeah, the difference, yeah. I guess, is we can do it in a much more pleasing way with a little bit less stress and a little bit more excitement. Yeah. And, and I think where the stress comes for high achievers in particular is if suddenly you don't have something that you're driving for, that's where you get kind of this depression risk, right? Because it, it is kind of an innate need, I think for everybody, but especially for the, for the harder chargers, which are a lot of the people in our community. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's very fulfilling when you find those things, but it can be a little bit challenging as you're working towards what they're going to be. So. And one last thing for the people listening to the after show, we didn't talk a lot about your book, but tell us about your book and how people can get it. Just in yeah, case thanks. It's uh, yeah. Keys to a successful retirement. You can get it on Amazon. I can get it on my website. Um, basically, what I wrote that about a year and a half after I retired, and it was it was what I had learned in my journey. And I think there were twenty five keys that I summarized, maybe twenty six in the book. And to me, kind of like the seven secrets, it, it's basically an expansion on the seven secrets. Instead of seven, it's twenty twenty six of them. And it's those things that I had researched, that I had learned as I was preparing for retirement. I applied them in my own life. Now, looking back at it a year into retirement, what 
what made it a successful transition. And that's really what the book focuses on. So it's very similar to our discussion today. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.